already saw how the church at Corinth was very carnally minded. And and sometimes being carnally minded is caused by a real resistance to the word of God. But that wasn't true for all the members of the church at Corinth. Some of them were carnally minded because they were ignorant. There were things that they just didn't know. They didn't know the right way to think with regards to spiritual gifts. They didn't know the right way to manage the spiritual gifts. And so they were carnally minded because... They were ignorant. And the church at Corinth had a legitimate excuse for being ignorant. First of all, we have seen that this church had only been in existence about three or four years. It was founded by the Apostle Paul. He was the one who led the first people of Corinth to Christ, and he was the one who started the first meetings there that became the church. But that happened in around 50 A.D. And Paul wrote this letter in about 53 or 54 A.D. So we're dealing with a very young congregation. And any young congregation that's only been Christian for a short period of time, there's going to be many things that they don't know. There's going to be many things where they are ignorant. The church was largely made up of spiritual infants and spiritual children. And as we have seen, when you are a spiritual infant, when you are just freshly born into the kingdom of God, one of the things that characterizes spiritual infants is they are ignorant. The English word ignorant that's in this verse comes from a Greek word, which is the Greek word agnoeo, and it means that they were ignorant because of a lack of available information or instruction. How many times have you made a mistake and then suffered because you were ignorant and you didn't have the information to even have the knowledge to avoid the mistake. I can think of numerous times that that has happened during the course of my life. Now, the Bible has a word for that. When we're ignorant and we're doing that which is wrong or we're mismanaging something that's, you know, uh, that God would have us manage differently, and we're doing it out of ignorance, and there's no information available to guide us, that's called a trespass. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but there's been, uh, during the course of my lifetimes, where I have trespassed into somebody's property, and I didn't know that it was owned by someone else. There were no signs that would let me know that I was trespassing. There were no signs that let me know whose property it was. And then I would be on that property, whether I was hunting or whether I was fishing. And all of a sudden, the owner of the property would show up and say, hey, you're trespassing. Well, I was trespassing because I was ignorant. I didn't have available to me the information that I needed 
that in order to avoid trespassing. So there's another Greek word that is derived from agnoeo, and it is agnoma, is the way I'm pronouncing this particular Greek word. And it has a different meaning. This particular Greek word that you see here on the screen means to be ignorant due to your own personal failure to pursue and effectively use information that is available. So it's one thing to be ignorant and make a mistake, and the information that you needed to avoid the mistake is not even available. It's another thing when that information is available and you choose not to pursue the information and use that information effectively in order to avoid the mistake. How many times have you made a mistake and suffered in your life because you failed to do your homework and pursue and effectively information that is available? You could have known the right way to do something or you could have known something you should avoid, but you chose not to do your homework and pursue that information. You chose, in other words, to stay ignorant. Now, I know many of you have had this experience in both high school and college when you've had a test coming up, and instead of studying for the test, acquiring the right information, you chose not to. And you did terrible on the test. And perhaps... You even went, you did so bad that you went and you talked to the professor. And you were actually wanting mercy from the professor. And, and you said to the professor, you know, I did poorly on that test. And he said, why did you do so poorly? And he said, well, you said, well, I just didn't know what was going to be on the test. I want you to know if you're dealing with a good professor, that excuse will not go over very well because they will say to you, listen, I, you should have taken good notes. You should have read the material in the book that I assigned. And I'm sure there's other students in our class that you could have checked with to make sure that you had the body of information that you needed in order to do well upon the chest. And that professor, if he's a good professor, will hold you responsible for not having the information you needed and not devoting yourself to studying that information to do well on the test. You know, when we make a mistake, it's very natural for us to relieve ourselves of guilt by saying, well, I was just ignorant. And you know, what I have discovered is that we can always find people who will comfort us by agreeing with us. And I want you to know that those people are not doing you a favor if you could have avoided being ignorant. The person who's doing you a favor is the person who will, in love, reprove you and say, look, that information was available to you. You just didn't do your homework. You made a terrible mistake here. But that's all on you because you did not do your homework in order to make a wise decision. Before we give our 
a pass to ourselves when we're feeling guilt about a mistake, we need to ask the question, was the right information available and I just chose not to do my homework? You know, being ignorant makes us foolish. And being ignorant when the right information is available makes us a fool. And there's a difference in the scripture between just being foolish because you were ignorant. That's the way the Corinthians were. And being a fool. Where you could have had the right information, but you chose not to get it. So that you can make a right decision. So the church at Corinth had a legitimate reason for being foolish about spiritual gifts. And they had a legitimate reason for being ignorant about the proper use of those spiritual gifts, which Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. They did not have the instruction manual to do their homework. Folks, we have it. It is called the Bible. We have the instruction manual that the church at Corinth didn't have available. And we don't have to send off a courier to God and wait for days to receive the information we need to make wise decisions. We have the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Now, we know this is true for many reasons, but one of the reasons is because the Bible, in the Bible, the Scripture says that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And he, Paul is talking to his disciple Timothy. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all Scripture is, in, is by inspiration of God. That means God breathed it. In other words, men wrote it, people wrote it, but God through his Spirit inspired their writing of it. And therefore... Paul said it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, what we believe. It's profitable for reproving others. It's profitable for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every command in the Bible is right. Every judgment in the Bible is correct. Every promise in the Bible comes to pass. And the best evidence of the Bible's being the Word of God is to be found between its covers. The Bible proves itself. If you want to hear God speak to you, you don't have to send off a courier. Just open up His Word and ask God to speak to you through the scriptures. You know, the Bible not only teaches us about spiritual gifts, which was the information that the church at Corinth was requesting, but it also teaches us about so many other things. It teaches us how to know 
the will of God for our lives. How valuable is that? It teaches us how to be a godly person like Jesus. It teaches us how to be a godly husband, how to be a godly wife, how to be a godly parent, how to be a godly child, how to be a godly friend, how to be a godly steward of your money, how to be a godly employee, how to be a godly businessman. And these things are all found within the pages of the Word of God. If you want to know how to be godly, it's right there in the Word of God. Listen to what David said about the Word of God in Psalms 19 and verse 7. He said this, The law of the Lord is perfect. And notice the benefits in this passage. Converting the soul, changing your soul. How valuable is that? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. David said that for these reasons, the word of God is more precious than gold. Because David had that perspective, is it any wonder that David had this unsatisfiable appetite for the word of God? It is at the essence of what made him a man who was after God's own heart because he had this unsatisfiable, this, this incredible appetite for the word of God. Now, let me ask you, David said the word of God is more precious than gold. Do you believe that's really true? Do you? Do you believe that the word of God is more precious than gold? Oh, when we look at history and we see <laughs> the appetite that men and women have had for gold or money, it's incredible what it has motivated people to do and then sometimes accomplish this incredible appetite. But David said that the word of God is more precious than money. The word of God is more precious than gold. You know, when I became a Christian, I realized pretty quickly that my salvation came from the truth that was revealed in the Word of God. 
It was not long after I became a Christian that I realized that my sanctification also came from the Word of God. And then one day, I came to know these verses in Psalm 119, where David said, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. It was promises like these, I recall it so clearly, that fueled my appetite to know the Word of God. And I can honestly tell you that the Word of God is more precious to me than gold, and that the Word of God became more precious to me than gold when I was just a young person. It became sweeter to me than honey, is what David said. Well, I can't really relate to that. But I can say to you, it has become sweeter to me than chocolate ice cream. And chocolate ice cream is one of my favorite things to eat. So the Word of God, God wants us to have this appetite for His Word that is more than we have for anything else in this world, more than we have for gold or anything that we could eat and it, you could tack on to that any personal pleasure that we might uh, enjoy. God wants us to have this incredible appetite for the Word of God. You know, the theme for our series is, for mature audiences, the appetites of a mature Christian. <laughs> you know, here's the reality. Mature Christians have this unsatisfiable appetite for the Word of God. Mature Christians cannot get enough of the Word of God. The, their appetite for it just can't be satisfied. And as a result of this appetite, uh, mature Christians are constantly reading the Word of God. And it's not because they do it out of a sense of duty. They may begin to do it out of a sense of duty. But once you become a mature Christian, you don't do it just out of a sense of duty. You do it because you have this incredible appetite for the Word of God. They not only read the Word of God, but the mature Christians, they study it. They just don't give it a casual looking over when they read it. They look at the words that are in the text. They look at uh, the story that's in the text. They ask questions that, that, that cause them to really study the Word of God. The word study means to make an effort to understand something. In other words, the mature Christian is not just reading the Word of God in order to check off a list or to impress someone else. They're reading the Word of God because they want to understand what God is communicating to them and to others. The mature Christian, they not only read it and they study it, but they, they memorize it. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. For something to be in you means that it's in your mind. In other words, you know it. You don't need anyone else or any outside resource because it's actually within you. There's no way to get the word of God in you without memorizing it. And then those who are mature Christians have such this incredible appetite for the word of God that they meditate on the word of God. And to meditate means to reflect upon the truth that you're hearing, reflect upon the truth that you're reading until you know that you know how to apply it in your life. Meditation is rehearsing the word of God, reflecting upon it, coming to understand it, and then applying it to the situations and circumstances in your life. And then mature Christians who have this incredible appetite for the word of God, they listen to preaching. In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul said to his disciple Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And then he says, convince and rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. There are those who are called by God, like Timothy was, to preach and teach the word to the church. And God enables these that he calls with gifts, gifts of preaching, gifts of teaching, to explain the word to you and then also to help you apply it. And God uses the preaching of the word to convince, rebuke, and exhort. And so the mature Christian has this unsatisfiable, unsatisfiable appetite, an, an appetite that can't be satisfied for the word of God. And then out of that appetite, he devotes himself to these various things that I just mentioned, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, meditating on it, and then listening to preaching. Now, I want to ask you a question, and maybe you haven't considered this. There is a popular sentiment within the church of Jesus Christ, at least in our nation. I haven't been in other nations, but at least in our nations, that we need to have fewer sermons. Have you confronted that sentiment? There are those who also believe that we need to have shorter services and shorter sermons to accommodate the culture that we currently live in. You know, when I consider that, I ask the question, do we also need shorter TV shows? Or do we need movies to be shorter than what they are? Or how about shortening a round of golf from 18 holes to nine? Or perhaps the real problem is our attention span for the holy just has been shortened because we don't have this unsatisfiable appetite for the word of God. You know, I was a part of two movements of God when I was young. And those movements of God that I was a part of left an incredible impression upon me. Uh, what I consider to be a movement of God is, is, you know, God's moving and working all the time. But when you're a part of a movement, what is unusual becomes ordinary. And why I mean by that is, you know, it's, 
It might be unusual for us to baptize someone on a Sunday morning. When you're in a movement of God, it's not unusual. It becomes ordinary. You know, it might be unusual for us to schedule a prayer meeting and have everybody show up for the prayer meeting. But when you're in a movement of God, it's not unusual for nearly everyone that's a part of the movement to show up for the prayer meeting. And one of the things that I noticed in most of in both of these movements of God that I got to be a part of when I was young was that in those movements among a broad base of people they just couldn't get enough of the word of God. They had this appetite that I'm talking to you about this this morning. Uh, the first movement was when I was in high school in Dell City, and I was a part of a group of young people that just could not get enough of the Word of God. I mean, it was <laughs> the hunger among us was uh, infectious. It, you know, it, it was something that we shared in this group of young people. And, and so we were going to church on Sunday morning to hear the Word of God preached. We were going to church on Sunday night to hear the Word of God preached. We were going to youth service on Wednesday night and, and to hear the Word of God preached. We were going back to the adult service to hear the Word of God preached. We were constantly having Bible teachers coming into our church and holding week-long meetings. And we it was just, people were just, hungry, starving for the Word of God. The second movement that I was a part of was when I was a college student at OBU. And uh, I ended up in the college student ministry there on campus. And there was a large, a significant group of college students that just could not get enough of the Word of God. I mean, besides going to their churches on Sundays to hear the Word of God, in our student ministry, we had Bible studies Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at noon. And, uh, and then we also had another Bible study on Thursday night. And we met in this little chapel that's still there on the campus of Oklahoma Baptist University, and that chapel was built for like 40 people. And there would be, it'd be standing room only every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you add to that all of these Bible studies that students had going on in the dorms. There was just this hunger, this appetite for the Word of God that uh, could not be satisfied no matter how much you read it, no matter how much you studied it, no matter how many sermons that you heard, God was on the move. When I came to our church in 1984, I had a vision for God to raise up a local church on the south side of Oklahoma City that had that appetite for the Word of God. And I believe that that vision is not going to pass away when I step down as senior pastor on the 31st of this month. I believe that God still wants there to be a congregation on the south side 
where the congregation, not an exception, not this member here, this member, but the congregation collectively has this incredible appetite for the Word of God. I believe that when believers have that kind of appetite, God moves in ways that we won't see Him move unless we have that appetite for His Word. Because here's the thing, having that appetite for the Word of God is having that appetite for God Himself. You know what David said? He said, you know, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for thee. And I want you to understand that when you have that incredible appetite for the word of God, you're having that incredible appetite for God himself. His word and his uh, being are, are inseparable. They are one in the same. To desire God is to desire His Word. Well, how do you need to respond to this message? You know, this is not really a message that you can hide from. You either have this unsatisfiable appetite for the Word of God or you do not. And if you have it, then you'll be doing those things that I mentioned earlier, not just out of a sense of duty, but because you're really hungry for the Word of God. If you have this appetite, you cannot hide it. Your lifestyle will be impacted by it. (laughs) By how much time you spend reading the Word, by how much time you spend studying the Word, meditating on the Word, listening to sermons. If you don't have it, I want you to know You cannot hide it, especially from the person that you're married to. You either have it or you don't. If you are a a new Christian and you don't have this appetite yet, and I remember being in your shoes, what you need to do is realize that God wants you to have it. And you need to ask God to give it to you by His Spirit. And I want you to know, there's a lot of prayers that I've prayed during the course of my life that have not been answered (laughs) the way that I want them to be answered. But I want you to understand that when you pray to the God of creation and you ask Him, give me an appetite for your word that can't be satisfied, I want you to know God will answer that prayer. And then what you need to do in order to stir up that appetite is to do what I was led to do by those who were more mature than me. And what they did is they led me to learn the promises of God. If I knew his word, these promises would happen. Like I said, you would be, you would be wise for your age. You'd be wiser than your enemies. You'd be wiser than your teachers. You'd be wiser than the ancients. All that's based upon knowing the word of God. If you will ask God to give it to you and you will learn these promises, he's going to make you wiser than your enemies, wiser than your teachers. You will avoid so many 
ditches and detours because you will know what to do. Because you will know the word of God. Your life will have a godly influence upon others. And when you get old, the young will come to you for guidance. And I promise you, if you will learn and believe these promises that God has given the church, has given his people about those who know his word, you will develop this appetite for the word of God and you will come to a place where you will say that the word of God is more precious to me than gold itself. It's more precious to me than money. It's more precious to me than any relationship on this earth. The word of God is more precious to me, you name it. The word of God stands alone as far as my appetites are concerned. Now, if you've been a Christian for a few years and you're still ignorant about things that are really spelled out for you in the word of God, I want you to know this, and I want to be a good professor for you. I want to say to you, you have no one to blame but yourself. If you've been a Christian for a few years and you're still ignorant about things that you should know. The information that you need to be wise and make good decisions and good choices is available to you. You just have to have a greater appetite for it. Ask God to give you this appetite. Then like those who are new Christians, learn the promises of God for knowing his word. And it will stir up this appetite within you. You also, if you've been a Christian for a few years, and you don't have this appetite for the word of God, you need to ask yourself, is there something still in me that is quenching my appetite for the word of God? Now, there's been some seasons in my life where my appetite for the word of God hasn't been as great as it's been in other seasons. And what I've come to discover when I go through one of those seasons is that something has crept into my heart or I've let something into my heart that is making me spiritually sick and it's affecting my appetite for the Word of God. You know, it's very natural for a young infant to crave its mother's milk. And when that appetite is not being satisfied, that child is going to let you know that that child, that he is or she is hungry. It's only a child who is sick that doesn't have an appetite for his or her mother's milk. And the same is true with us spiritually. If we have allowed something into our heart that is making us spiritually sick, it will impact our appetite for the Word of God. One of those things that can affect our appetite for the Word of God is pride. Pride is an overinflated view of ourselves. And we can have a view of ourselves in which we think that we're smart enough to make decisions and not really consider God's word when we make those decisions. That's what pride is. And if you have the sickness of pride in you, I want you to know it will negate your appetite for the word of God. Perhaps you're still a believer, you're a believer, but you're an unbeliever. 
In other words, there's many promises in the Word of God, and I read some of them to you this morning about how you can become wiser than your teachers. You can become wiser than your enemies. You know, how you can become wiser than the ancients. And perhaps you just haven't bought in yet. And you're still an unbeliever when it comes to the promises of God. Unbelief in the promises of God will impact your appetite for the Word of God. And you need to resolve that illness if you're going to have the appetite that God wants you to have. And then perhaps in your heart, there has crept in insubordination. In other words, you have come to a point for some reason where you are in rebellion against the commands of the Lord. You may know the right thing to do, but you're saying, you know what? I know the right thing to do. I know what God's word says, but I'm not going to do it. That is insubordination to God himself. And if you are still a rebel against God, even though you're a child of God, if you are still a rebel against God, God's not going to give you a greater appetite for his word if you're going to be insubordinate to him. You need to solve that spiritual problem before you're going to get the appetite for the Word of God that God wants you to have. So mature Christians have this unsatisfiable appetite for the Word of God. Isn't it about time that you grow up and have an appetite like that? Let's pray together this morning. First of all, we're all born sinners without a great appetite for God and His Word. The appetite for God and His Word has to be acquired. You don't have it when you are born of your mother. In fact, you have just the opposite when it comes to your greatest appetite. Your natural appetite is for the pleasures that sin has to offer. Before you're ever going to have an appetite for God, an appetite for God's Word, you have to be saved. You have to be born again of the Spirit of God. And the Bible tells us that the only way that you can be born again of the Spirit of God and gain this appetite is through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. You must believe that Jesus is Lord. You must believe that he died for your sin. You must be willing to surrender your life to him. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You see, you're not going to have an appetite for the Word of God until you are a child of God, until you're born again of the Spirit of God. I wonder if you came in this morning or perhaps you're watching online and you would say, I'm ready for this to happen to me right now. I'm ready to be born again. I'm ready to enter into a relationship with God. I'm ready to change my life and, and surrender my life to God's plan for my life. If you're at that point today, then I want to ask you just to pray this with me. 
Just pray, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know, Lord, that I am separated from fellowship with you. And Lord, I want that to end today. I want you, through your son Jesus, to save me from my sin. And right now, I surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you to come and dwell in me and create in me, Lord, what you want me to be. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I hope that many of you just prayed a prayer just like that this morning because you were ready to change. And we always want to uh, make you aware that if you have just come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the next step is for you to follow the Lord in baptism. And we want to help you with that. And the way that you can communicate with us so that we can help you with that is that if you're watching online, you can just indicate, I want to be baptized. And uh, one of our folks that's watching that will take your information. But if you're here this morning live, then what we would ask you to do is take a Connect card that's in the back of the chair uh, and fill out that card and let us know you want to follow the Lord in baptism because you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The last part of this invitation this morning is, you know you're a Christian, but do you have currently, right now, if you were honest, do you have the appetite that I'm talking about for the Word of God? Do you have this unsatisfiable, you just can't get enough of it? I mean, if you're not listening to preaching here, you're listening to other preachers preach the Word of God. You're reading the Word of God. You're studying the Word of God by yourself and with others. You're memorizing the Word of God. You're meditating on the Word of God. You just can't get enough of it because of this appetite that is within you. If you were honest this morning, do you have that kind of appetite for the Word of God? Well, I want you to know God wants to give it to you. If you're ready to receive it, will you repent for whatever has made you sick and kept you from having that appetite? And will you ask God to give that appetite to you? This could be the, a life-changing moment for you. If you will ask him, Lord, give me that hunger. Give me that thirst for your word. Lord, I need that in my life. And will you purpose in your heart to learn those promises in God's word that will fuel this appetite? It's never too late for this change to occur in you. I've seen people that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s come to a place in their life where after years of not really having an appetite for the Word of God, get turned on to the Word of God and suddenly have this appetite because they, they asked God to give it to them and they realized what they were missing from the Word of God, what they were missing as far as the promises of God because they didn't have it. If you're ready for this change to occur in you, and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, will you just pray this with me? Would you just pray something like this? Lord Jesus, I want to have this appetite for your word that can't be satisfied. 
Lord, I want it to be a passion in my heart and my soul. And I ask you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit to ignite it in me, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to show me the promises in your word that would fuel that appetite and that passion. Lord, direct my steps so that I might experience you in new ways and in fresh ways through your word. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, if you right now as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ have made that decision that you really want to have this appetite for God's word, uh, perhaps you've had it in the past, but you lost it and you want it back. Perhaps you've never had it then what I would encourage you to do is get involved in a small group and be honest and transparent with your group. I think it might be a good question for our group leaders to ask, how is your appetite for the Word of God? We grow together in Christ at Together Church. We learn the Word of God together. We apply the Word of God together. We encourage each other in the Word of God together. Body of Christ, what an incredible Incredible idea God had. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song, and uh, Britt is going to lead us with his team. And this will be our benediction song this morning. And I just pray that God will bless you as you go forth from here. If we can pray for you in any way, I would encourage you to just notify us personally or notify our church office so that we can stand with you in prayer. Read us, lead us, Britt.